We're glad that you're here. We're starting a new sermon series this morning. And we're starting at creation, going all the way to the consummation. And if you take your Bibles with me, it's going to be a hard passage to find this morning, okay? Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. You can do it. I know you can, okay? And if you cannot find Genesis chapter number 1, you need to get an electronic Bible and use that, okay? Genesis chapter number 1. Now, I'm going to make it really tough on you this morning, okay? I want you to turn to another passage and hold it there for me. John chapter number 1. This is tough stuff. Genesis 1 and John chapter number 1. And sound man back there. I praised you the other night, and I remembered I forgot to add a picture I need to add in there. So if you could, while I talk the next few minutes and take up a few seconds, under the, it should be on your desktop already, and it should say digital cross-reference, and it's a picture that kind of looks like a rainbow. So you need to add that to a slide so everybody can see it. Do you see it on the desktop anywhere? You see it, okay. Do you know how to add it? Okay, so um, do you see how you got Christmas from creation to consummation? Um, go into the edit part of it and duplicate it. Then delete it and a little plus sign, add it from there. Does that make sense? If you need help, look to me and I will help. Or actually, I should just have Brittany go over there and take care of it. If you, We'll do that if we need to. So you, we'll see if Joe can get it. All right. Now, this morning we're starting this new series. Have you noticed how over the years that it seems like products have shrunk in size? I'm going to give you an example of that. For the pie and ice cream, pie and praise the other night, this says it's one gallon. Does that look like the old gallon containers? Not at all. Where did it go? I don't know if they made it. They didn't make it any wider or anything. It says one gallon. Now, I'm sure some of you older folks in the room still use some of your old ice cream buckets, and we could measure from one. To see, but to me, they've shrunk it down just a little bit. Do you know they did that in the year 2000? They did that with peanut butter. Went from 18 ounces to 16. And what they did is they add that little dimple at the bottom, and it took out two ounces of peanut butter out of there. And, you know, you see lots of things that get... Brittany, you mind going over and taking care of that for me? Joe's getting signals to me, so... This is our lady that takes care of most of the slide. Oh, she's going out the side. She didn't want to. She doesn't want to go that way. So, all right. So, everyone, do me a favor. When Brittany walks in the back door, everyone stare. No, don't do that to her. I'm just kidding. So, but if you've noticed, it seems like products have gotten smaller. You even look and bars of soap. Have you? There was what brand is it? They have those little bumps on the bottom because they say it's supposed to help out, but it literally takes away the little soap that was all. So it's made it smaller overall. Um, cans of coffee, they used to sell them in one, two, and three-pound things, right? And then now everything's a shrunk down a little bit. Unless you go to some fast food restaurants and in their cups, you ask for a medium, and they give you the biggest cup in the world. So, but for the most part, things have gotten smaller. And when we look at our culture, we see the same thing related to God and to Christmas happening before our very eyes. 
Um, every year, our family, right after Thanksgiving, we go to SeaWorld. Caroline loves to go to SeaWorld during Christmas with all the decorations and everything. I really could care less, but she loves it. So since she loves it, I love it too. I can't say that next service because she'll be in here. But um, one of the things that I've noticed is several years ago when we started, I think William was two, so we're going back eight years ago. They had nativity scenes galore. They had Christmas stories all about the birth of Christ throughout the shows that they have in the evenings during Christmas. And each year you've noticed it getting smaller and smaller and smaller. This year, so for the past few years, they had done one that was called the animal's view of Christmas. But it took the manger scene and the animals that were at the manger scene and told about the birth of Christ. It was actually a pretty neat idea the way they did it. Well, this year, not one show has anything to do with Christ. They replaced it with Santa's Circus. And they have all that. It was pretty interesting, some of the stuff they could do. A guy jumping onto a unicycle as it's moving. That's, I couldn't jump on a unicycle as it stopped. But that was pretty neat to see. But it just our society has marginalized and minimized Christmas, kind of like how everything seems to get smaller. But, you know, sometimes I think we do the same thing to Christmas when we focus on two chapters of Matthew and two chapters of the book of Luke. We take what Christmas is all about, and we shrink it down to four little chapters, when that's not how it is today. You see, Christmas doesn't begin with a manger, and it doesn't end with wise men coming. Christmas is rooted in creation, and it finds its fulfillment in the consummation. The best way to describe it is to look at the, and you think about this, the best way to understand the Bible is not just to look at small sections, but to look at the overall theme and see what happens. God's plan for all of humanity, all of creation, starts in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, and spreads through Revelation chapter 22. All 66 books of the Bible are woven together by a single storyline. I want to show you this graph that someone put together. You have the graph or the picture? There it is. To you, that might just look like a bunch of lines that kind of look like a rainbow at the end. The solid black line is from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. If you'll notice right near the middle is the longest gray line at the bottom. That's Psalm 119 because it has the most verses. If you take the entire Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter number 22, there are 63,779 cross-references that tie everything completely together. You'll notice today that if you were to like be able to zoom in, and I know we can't, You'd be able to go from Genesis 1 and go to John chapter number 1 and see how they are tied together, which we're going to see here in just a couple of minutes. What you see here is that's how the Bible correlates back and forth. It is one, one theme, the redemption of mankind and how God does it. As we look at this today, 
And as we dive in this morning and go a little deeper into things, I want to make sure you understand something about the Bible this morning. It's not a make-believe story. It's not once upon a time God did this. You see right from Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. It doesn't give you time and say, well, maybe this happened, or this is what we think happened. No, this is how it happened and how it took place. It's much more than just a nice little novel. The Bible is an inspired and an errant collection of narrative and non-narrative material that show us the entire way to salvation. You think about this, you could sum it up this way. The story of Scripture is about the glory of the Savior. If you take the Bible, you can split up into six acts. Creation, catastrophe, covenant, His coming, church, and the consummation. We're going to take the next several weeks and go through all six of those and tie it all, one big story, into Christmas. Instead of shrinking the product this year, we're going to make the product big. And the product is Jesus Christ, our Savior. Think about what the Bible tells us in John 1, verse 45. It says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. John 5, verse 46 and 47. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Luke 24, 27, the Bible says, And the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scripture, the things concerning himself. Do you see how everything that Moses wrote, everything the prophets wrote, everything in the Old Testament was written to show us Jesus? Do you get that this morning? Verse 44 says, And he said unto them, you got to go back real quick. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Go to the next slide now. And all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. You see, everything in the Old Testament from the books of the law, the book of Moses, to the history of Israel, to the prophets, major and minor, to the poetical books, everything points to Jesus Christ. That's what we see here. How many of you in your New Testament are the words of Christ in red in your Bible? And so, like Isaiah, I can see from his Bible right here, I see the words in red. Imagine if every Old Testament reference to Jesus or prophecy or shadow or every image used to illustrate Christ in the Old Testament appeared in red. One author said like this, he said, if a red letter Old Testament existed, it would glow in the dark. And others have argued it would light up a living room. And we think about the whole Old Testament should be written in red because it is about Jesus. The whole book, he is the storyline. Him coming, all that he did for us. And we're going to look at that more over the next several weeks. We go back to Genesis chapter number 1. And we know that Moses penned these words. 
The question is this. How did Moses know what happened in the beginning if he wasn't there in the beginning? Who told Moses what to write? Well, it only makes sense. Was Adam there in the beginning? He was not. It was day six before Adam came along. So who was there? God was there. And God tells Moses how it happened. Look at Genesis 1, verse number 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and, the, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. As we look at this first five verses, and we see the word God, the Hebrew name for God here is Elohim. Elohim, it's used more than 2,500 times in the Bible. In Genesis chapter number 1 alone, it is used 32 times. And the word Elohim derives from the word El, which in turn comes from the word strong. Specifically, this name is that he is strong creator God. He's creatively powerful, completely sovereign, and gloriously great. Now, as we start our series today, there are three foundational building blocks that will help us that the entire Bible and the story of creation is built upon. Number one this morning, Elohim, God, is eternal. He always has been and always will be. He is eternal. In the beginning, God. Say, when did God begin? He didn't begin because he always has been. That's hard for us to comprehend. Because each and every one of us in this room, we have a beginning date. God has no beginning date. He always has been. He is eternal this morning. And we see that in the beginning. Russ, did you notice that baseball is mentioned in the first verse of the Bible? The beginning, you get it? I did that just for you. Some, the rest of you won't enjoy that, but I knew Russ would enjoy that. And I thought I'd keep him awake a few more minutes into this message this morning. This declaration makes us know that God always has been. He has no beginning, and he has no end. This is what Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27 says. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy before thee, and shall say, destroy them. Do you see? He's everlasting. And you notice, as I mentioned a minute ago, Genesis 1.1 you notice it's a simple declaration that God exists. It doesn't set out to prove or to explain or to take in any arguments. The Bible just says, in the beginning, God created. And the Bible tells us that only those who are fools deny that fact, Psalm 14, 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And you say, and, and we've gone through the book of Romans enough, I think you understand the fact that God has placed within man 
the ability to know there's enough light in man to know that there's a God. And for a man or someone to say there is no God, only a fool says something like that because everyone knows there's a God. They might not know which God, but everyone knows there's a God. That's why people in, in odd places worship a lot of things. It's in man to worship something. As we look here this morning, as we go further, we see the story of creation. It begins with God. Not with us, because the Bible's all about his glory and what he does to restore mankind. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. So number one, the first foundational fact is that Elohim is eternal. Number two, creationism is correct. Because God alone is eternal, that which is created is not eternal. Look at the last part of verse number one. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Hebrew word here for the word create means to create out of nothing. Before God did it, there was nothing. He made something out of nothing. That's what the Bible says here. And, and we spoke, and it was created. He works through his word. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 33, verse 6 and verse number 9. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. He spoke, and it was created. It is no accident that the first thing God wants us to know about himself is that he is the creator of all things. The whole story of the Bible and all of Scripture is rooted in the fact from Genesis to Revelation that God made all things, and then Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. And for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, you under, you've got to understand something that, Look at what God, all these beautiful things God made for us. God made everything for his pleasure. You see that right there? He created all things. So this morning, as we start out our series at the beginning of creation, it begins by understanding this fact that Elohim, that God is eternal. He was not created. He always has been and always will be. The second thing we got to realize this morning is that creationism is correct. And I don't have time to go through evolution and all the different theories and all this other stuff. I'll tell you something. It takes, I believe it takes less faith to believe that what God says is true than to believe that things just evolved over time. And I know some people kind of look like monkeys. But if you notice something, and Genesis chapter number 1 makes it very clear that he made the animals and different species after their kind. Their exact kind. So you can't take a monkey and make a human out of a monkey. Now, a monkey might be able to develop and different things, but it follows its kind. Humans follow its kind. God placed people in those brackets, and that explains a lot. It's verse 26 and further in chapter number 1 here. But as we look here this morning, we realize that Elohim, God, is the creator. Creationism is correct. Because you got to understand... God made it all 
out of nothing. This world and everything is not eternal. What was brought forth is not eternal. God is eternal. An eternal God created all of this from nothing. Number three. The Lord made light. Look at verse 3 through 5. It says, And God said, Let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day. In the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Six times in chapter number 1 of Genesis here. God declares that what he made was good. He even says in the call, very good. You look at verse 31, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. The word good there is rich in meaning. It means well-pleasing, morally correct, perfect and proper, and no deficiencies no defects. Everything God made was perfect. That's how God does it. Creation is in its right relationship to the Creator. Everything is good. Verse 26 of Genesis chapter number 1 tells us how God created man. And you look there, verse number 26, and it tells us, and the God said, let us, who's us? It's not the angels, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. I think someone should let Governor Newsom know about that one right there. And over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him male and female, created he them. And as we look there, we see that in chapter number 2 that God made man, but it wasn't good for man to be alone, so God created a woman for the man. They enjoyed the pleasures of living in a perfect world, in a perfect garden. There were no thorns. There were no weeds. Everything was perfect. And then in chapter number 3, the serpent comes along. And the serpent, what he does, he tries his best to get Eve to doubt the goodness of God. You know what the devil tries to do? He tries to get us to doubt the goodness of God. Oh, God's, God's not, did you ever think that God was looking out for them by telling them not to eat of that tree? It's kind of like kids, you do something and your parents don't want you to go do something. You're like, you're just being mean. It could be they're watching out for you and they know what's best. That could, that's a great thought right there, right? We see in chapter 3, verse number 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And verse 7 describes what changed everything. The perfect creation. Everything. Remember, God made it, and he looked, and it was very good. It was morally correct. 
There were no deficiencies. Everything was just right. Chapter 3, verse 7. And the eyes of them were both open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Because of their sudden self-consciousness, their conscience, everything was exposed. They tried to cover up their shame and their sin. And human beings have been trying to cover up their shame and sin ever since Genesis 3, verse number 7. They used to enjoy the friendship and the fellowship with God walking with them in the garden, but sin separated man from God. And verse number 8, we see, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And many people are still trying to hide from God today. Adam and Eve could no longer face each other without clothing, and they were dreading facing God. They were guilty, and I love the fact that, do you see in that passage anywhere in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve cried out, Hey, God, we messed up! Sorry, help us! No. But what did God do? He came, just like he always did. Did God know they were guilty? Of course he knew they were guilty. Of course he knew what they had done. But he still came and notice what he did in verse 21 of chapter number 3 and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them do you notice that God is the only one who can give us the covering that we need God steps in God takes care of their shame and God continues to this day to seek out sinners. And at its core, that's what Christmas is all about. Because these, co these coverings were made of skin, think about this. Adam and Eve, everything had been perfect up to this point, right? Then they eat the fruit, their eyes are open. Can you imagine what, a bit, what it must have been like to see God kill those animals before them? To give them the skins? You don't just get skins from an animal without killing and making a sacrifice. Can you imagine seeing that for the first time when everything's perfect in your world? I, I was up in Montana and got to go hunting once, and I got to see skinning a deer. I'll never forget it. But there's lots of other things I've seen in this world. Adam and Eve had seen nothing. The most they saw was each other. Get that. Think about all that. For the first time in history, suffering, sacrifice, innocent blood is shed so that human sin might be covered and community with God can be restored. All these verses should have been read picturing what Jesus Christ did on the cross. As we go a little further this morning, we think about Christmas. It's how Christ came and covered our sin by dying in our place. God was sinned against, and a sacrifice had to be made. God made coats of skin to cover sin. Jesus is God with skin on. Think about that one. And when we believe and receive his sacrifice for sin, we are clothed with his righteousness. 
Now as we tie up this morning, I gave you the three foundational truths for the Bible. The first one is that Elohim is eternal. God is eternal. Number two, creationism is correct. And number three, God made the light. Now go with me to John chapter number one. And we're going to close out the message this morning. John chapter number one. When we look at the Gospels, the Gospel of John portrays Christ as the Son of God. Look at how it begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him, in the Word, was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Doesn't that sound a lot like Genesis 1? Let me give you a few closing thoughts this morning. Number one, the infant is infinite. Catch you a little phrase right there, right? Jesus wasn't born in Bethlehem and began that day. He is eternal, just like God, because he is God. That's why Jesus said in John 8, 58, Before Abraham was, I am. And they didn't like that. How could you not even 50 years old date back to Abraham? Because they didn't get it. Jesus Christ is eternal. He is God in the flesh. So just as we say it's foundational for the word of God to understand that God is eternal, that Elohim is eternal, you've got to look at the other spectrum of things. Jesus Christ, the infant, is infinite. He is eternal. Before Abraham was, I am. And we see this. He is eternal. He's infinite because he's always existed. It reminds us here in John 1 about what it said in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, and we see in the beginning was the Word. The word Word is the Greek word logos, which refers to Jesus Christ, the member of the Trinity. In the Greek culture, logos was that which gave meaning to all things. Some philosophers even saw the logos as a bridge between a transcendent God and a material universe. And John is using a term that many people were well familiar with in that day. And since a word is an audible or visible expression of a thought, Jesus Christ is a visual expression of God. He's the bridge between God and us. The word was with God. Indicates that Jesus existed face to face in a relationship with the Father. Jesus not only is the closest possible fellowship with God, but it also says in the, be it says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, look at the end here, was God. He is God. We know the Trinity. We understand the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three in one. I don't have time to go through all that. And some people, Pastor, explain to me the Trinity. You're never going to fully understand the Trinity. 
because you have all three parts and yet they make up one God and yet they're separate in what they do and you can't wrap your mind completely around it. But do you ever think there's a reason for that? Without faith it's impossible to please him. But we see that the infant is infinite. The Bible says the same was in the beginning with God. So just as the Father, just as Elohim, God is eternal. Jesus Christ is eternal. Number two, Christ is the creator of all things. That's what the Bible says. Look at verse number three of our text here in John chapter one. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So who's the creator? Jesus is the creator. You see that there? That's what, Je in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, well, the Bible says that God created it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is is the creator today. Colossians 1 verse 16 and 17 tells us, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things. You see that? And by him all things consist. Jesus Christ is the creator He's, and as we think about these things, I give you another verse to look at. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. God, who in sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Do you see the truth that is before your eyes this morning? Jesus Christ was a creator long before he was a savior. So as we talk about the three foundational truths in the word of God, Elohim is eternal, creationism is correct, and God made light. We see with Jesus Christ that the infant is infinite. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the creator. And number three, we see the Lord is life and light. Jesus is life and light. Look at what it says in verse number four, talking about the word. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You see, the story of the Bible begins with, with physical darkness. To get rid of the darkness in the beginning, what does God say? Let there be light. And the darkness went away. Am I correct on that? That's what the Bible says. In Genesis chapter number 3, spiritual darkness spilled into our world. And who can remove it? Jesus Christ. He is the light to dispel the darkness. And as the light, Jesus shined into the darkness, and those who have not received him are still in darkness and cannot understand him and understand his word. 
And there are many today who cannot truly comprehend the true meaning of Christmas because they are in darkness and spiritually blind to the truths of God's word. The story begins in Genesis 1. We learn that Elohim is, the, is eternal. Creationism is correct. And the Lord made light. In Genesis 1, it continues the narrative. With the infant is infinite. Christ is the creator. And the Lord is life and light. Over the next several weeks, through the new year, we looked at creation today, God made. We see that Jesus is God. That's where it begins. You see, we don't begin the story of Christmas with a baby being born in Bethlehem. We don't start going back a chapter before that where the angel came to Mary and said that you're going to have a child. If we're going to look at Christmas in the beginning of Christmas, we've got to go back to the beginning of time and see that he already was there. And he spoke everything and he created everything. And he is the life and the light of men. That's where Christmas begins. And next week we'll see where it continues. Father,